You're listening to an ACA podcast. The land of the Kulin Nation, sovereign custodians um, of this incredible place in which ACA rests. Uh, we acknowledge their um, elders, past, present, and emerging, and all uh, First Nations people who join us here tonight, uh, live or in person. Um, this is new for ACA. We've been inhabiting the online space for um, almost a year, and so we're really delighted to be able to welcome online and in person. Um, it's a thrill to have people back in a space and artists talking um, about their work in front of their work. Um, as many of you know, Overlapping Magisteria um, is a, uh, the second edition of the McFarlane Commissions, um, an extraordinary uh, three-part um, commissioning series which allows uh, artists to um, explore and, and create extraordinary and ambitious new works. And this Artist Talk series is um, the first in, in two parts. Tonight we have um, Isadora Vaughan joining us in person, uh, and that will be streaming online um, through to you online, online, online. <laughs> uh, and then um, for those of you who are online, Sam Peterson will be joining us um, and speaking live. Uh, and for those of you in the space here, um, We'll be encouraging you to have a chat with Isadora um, after uh, the talk, uh, and you can catch up with Sam's online um, uh, presentation after the event, or on a podcast, um, either way. So um, without further ado, I might introduce Isadora. Um, I won't say too much about your, your bio, although it's extensive and wonderful, um, but perhaps um, uh, just introduce you as uh, a sculptor with a research-driven practice informed by interest in material intelligence, the interdependence of human and non-human life. Uh, and really, I think the work that you're going to speak to tonight is a testament to an extraordinary array of um, ideas and practices and approaches to sculpture and making, um, to immersion and materials. Uh, and we talked a lot about whether we have a question answer and how I throw to you, um, but perhaps Isadora, if maybe you want to start with um, how you make and how you've come to, to being a sculptor and the kinds of materials you work with, and then tell us a little bit about how um, uh, Ogives uh, developed. Thank you. Oh, I'm hoping I'm going to be a good microphone speaker. Thank you, Newman. And I'd also prefer to host the traditional phones. Um, and to thank the McFarlane Fund as well, because this is pretty massive thing for me as an artist, or and I think for all, all the artists involved, it's a really substantial uh, opportunity, not just in terms of um, outcomes in a place like this, but um, having an investment in the making and doing and thinking of research as well as what's experienced by an audience is pretty radical and pretty special. Um, so talking a bit about the show, talking about Ogives, for me is, um, it's, a, it's a complex thing because I'm both still really in it, but I'm starting to try and be doing other things at the same time, but I'm, I'm still very much part of the work. I, I guess I have, I have a studio practice um, I spend a lot of time walking in my neighbourhood and I spend a lot of time gathering, I guess, ideas and materials um, through interests in my... I'm an avid gardener and 
and really invested in um, what it means to be eating and living in a place and composting and going through the experience of feeding to my chooks and, you know, shoveling shit to then feed the garden, to then grow the food. And I think that that's a process that informs um, my art making and it comes from a bigger sort of philosophical desire um, to understand where things are from but also the dependence and the interconnectedness of the different elements that, you know, um, that go into nurturing oneself or nurturing a community and nurturing, um, you know, the natural environment that we're in. Um, so I guess some of the more sort of, uh, I guess, I feel like I have to keep looking up, this, up, up at this sort of monster above me. It's sort of both a monster and I hope a bit of a shrine. Um, this is a sculpture that's um, modelled on a hay rake, which is a sort of a very um, practical piece of agricultural machinery, which is still in use to some degree on farms all over the world, but mostly it's been kind of phased out for more um, effective, you know, time, space, energy effective machinery. However, um, when I was beginning to develop the show, I was trying to, I guess, figure out how I might be able to bring together both materials that are, you know, evocative of the natural environment and that are from my natural environment, but also machines or infrastructure that could speak to a kind of problem or a, an interest in the problematics of how we both engage with nature through a desire to control it or to consume it whilst also needing to be reverent and in awe and in absolute um, kind of honest uh, exchange. Um, and for me, I think that on a number of long drives in the country and seeing um, often old hay rakes in the back of paddocks as kind of relics, they were evocative of a kind of shrine or there's something obviously really um, beautiful or poetic about the, the suns or the, you know, the feeling of these being dials or indicators of time um, in, your, in their real form, but they also, they speak of momentum and they, the shapes I think for me evoke a sense of productivity as well as something that's, um, you know, more than just the, you know, efficient land clearing um, thing, which is what they do. Um, so I sort of, I guess this was always one of the, the major elements when I was developing the show. So when I work on an exhibition, I try and do this thing, which is kind of completely ridiculous, where I want to keep everything relevant and it's all possible and all my ideas are just as interesting as the next and it means that it's very hard to commit to anything and you can never tell anyone really what's going to happen but that everything's going to happen until you sort of get in the space and then finally luckily Max was like physically you're going to actually not be able to have all of the absolutely everything you've ever thought of because there's other people in the show you know said much more elegantly than that but I think for me um it's really I really 
enjoy the process of collecting and gathering different ideas and materials and making sculpture that, you know, each part connects to the next. And in a lot of ways, you know, uh, perhaps things are serendipitous, but perhaps they come from um, what for me is an openness and a, I hope a hospitality as much as a um, commitment to how different things can speak to one another. And so, like to take other examples of different parts of the show, I knew that I wanted to have a sense of um, enclosure, a sense of intensity at some point, um, and through discussing and understanding what else was going to be in the exhibition space, decided to create the structure, which is the sort of greenhouse structure um, that if you enter through this way, is sort of the initial um, contained area. And I knew that I wanted to have, yeah, some sense of um, visual closure and then that there, for there, uh, then for there to be a sense as you come through the space for it to open out and for there to be both a continued detail and shift in scale, but so a, a detail, the detail of the branchlets of the casuarina, but with the grandiosity of the the suns, the, the you know, the wheels that make up the rake. And I think for me that's um, that's one of the exciting and dynamic parts of sculpture when it's when it's um successful, I guess, which is such a difficult word. But um so I, I really start making by making a you know one thing that will then inspire me or direct me to another thing. And I spend a lot of time reading and I really enjoy the process of um, gathering probably in a very kind of ad hoc way, different um, kind of uh, different influences from things about, um, you know, understanding whether it's from understanding photosynthesis or it's understanding like the process of decomposition of clothing as it breaks down in the landscape or um, you know, going to um, walking along the local creek, the Mary Creek in my house. I spend lots of time, um, I guess, without necessarily intending to, but observing the breakdown and the, you know, decomposition of the, the, the edges and the erosion and the, the details that are occurring as the weather and time passes in that environment and that I hope to bring some of those different energies to life in the exhibition here. There's some elements um, in the show that are, were you know, relatively pre-existing um, and that I hope kind of problematize uh, an idea of this being like either a, um, you know, it's not an entirely agricultural or um, it's not entirely machine-filled space, but at the same time it has a number of elements or sculptures that are made of these very processed materials and very raw materials. And I think even, you know, the idea of what is a raw material is something that probably ever-present, I hope, in my work. Um, and I hope that even, you know, with the, within the confines of a space like this where we don't have the joy of daylight and the freshness of air flowing, that I'm still able to convey some of those forces through the way that the materials have been either handled or not handled quite explicitly. 
So some of these long sort of coir logs, um, they're used at the council. They're used for like as an anti-erosion um, sort of thing that you sort of stake in to the, um, into the side of your hill or your creek bed, as you will. But I also felt like they were the most perfect kind of Robert Morris-esque instant sculpture that was going to be far more evocative um, than anything that I could ever, you know, cobble together. So it was about, so, you know, for the show, it was about being aware of there being things in my surrounding environment that I could bring in and that that would um, come together to have what I hope is um, an effect of being, being in a space that's, that's unsettled, that's both um, obviously deeply kind of, you know, relates to a language of sculpture that's, you know, that sort of echoes different sculptural um, styles, but that also, um, you know, speaks to my, my specific place living um, here in Nam, um, but also my relationship to uh, the environment as something that's, um, that's, really sacred but really precarious and I don't want to um, present or I haven't intended to make a work that is about um, glorifying or um, uh, you know cutting myself out of the current you know critical situation that we're in but but um, actually hopefully questioning why humans are so central in the degradation, but also taking accountability for that um, and seeing perhaps, you know, the both poetic as well as really political um, implications of uh, relating to, you know, this idea of what, what even nature is. Um, how am I going for the time thing? Um, so maybe talking about another particular element in the show, um, I have been lucky enough to, I guess, gather some of the different elements from travelling a few years ago, travelling through South Australia up into Central Australia traveling through a number of um, sort of ex-mining towns and copper, copper mining towns and seeing different, um, I guess, different relics of machinery and different um, sort of rigged up uh, structures that had been used for sieving and for processing um, stuff around town and around the mines. Um, and I always really appreciate the, um, I guess, the things that come together and perhaps maybe they're situations from, uh, of, that have been come through, through adversity, but perhaps they're also just about like a kind of making do or a can-do relationship to, you know, making what you need out of what's around. And I think that that's probably a process that I use quite a lot in the studio and although 
I've used some materials that I haven't used previously for this exhibition. I also do tend to kind of um, try and... Uh, I, ha I have a very strong structure around what I do use um, and I, it's really important for me to make work that, um, that I'm able to foresee where it will exist post the exhibition. So whether it's like I have a really good hold on how I can cannibalise this for the next thing I'm going to do or it's going to be really good in my backyard, or, you know, as in terms of broken down, not a sculpture, like as in it's going to be really good um, drainage for these new garden beds I'm going to build, or whether it's about, um, you know, how uh, um, it, a material, I guess it's looking at all of its different lives. It's not just like if this isn't some kind of final grand um, end point for things and, I think that, yeah, so travelling in South Australia, seeing these great big sieves made out of all kinds of Rio or just bits of grills and grates, for me they always sort of were so perfect at describing the different grades and the different values that were being put on to the material in, in the specific site that were being sieved to, you know, collect out of the sand or the larger pebbles and things like that. And similarly, this is a, this sieve, structure was created out of a fencing that I had gathered from a local tip shop that used to be the fencing at a, um, a big kind of municipal building. Um, and so I think there's something about like adapting different materials, which is really important to me, or and adapting, um, I guess, adapting my ideas around the work that I want to make in response to what I come to. Um, and I think, yeah, perhaps it's important for me to understand on one level where things have come from, um, but knowing that there's also, yeah, there's a number of steps along the way that we aren't necessarily witness to um, when we, you know, when we're receiving things, even if they are you know, gathered um, and that I hope to kind of reshuffle or to sort of shake up the value that we might apply to different materials by having them in, in an art context like this. And I think that there's something about creating a space and hopefully a sculpture that is to some degree immersive, um, that it puts an onus on the viewer and that it puts... I hope power and a sense of invigoration in a viewer that yes, it's all the work, but that you can be in the work and it doesn't it doesn't degrade it. That you can you know that you can crunch through something and that the sound and the smells as they are released by your presence isn't one that is lessening the value of the work, but that it is hopefully you know enlivening it. Um, and yeah, I feel like that's where I'm at. Do I need, do I, how am I going for time? It's probably about, yeah, it's good to put five or five or four more minutes. Um, one question I could have to ask you, or as a prompt, um, is when you started off and talked about metabolism and metabolic processes mm. and materials, and then when I got through the exhibition also, also very classically sculpted that part that you would refer to like the ceramics that 
last one on plastic and mold making and ready made objects and anti mm. um, objects and movable objects as well. So it's almost like a metabolic sort of metabolizing of sculptural history. Yeah. Into, I hope so. Into the work and then create something else. And I'm wondering if you're how you think for those sculptural history traditions? Oh, I'm, I'm, I think that, like, oh, I kind of go back and forth with this because, on one level, I'm probably um, pretty, like, um, I have an abominable uh, art historical kind of awareness, in, but, like, I'm not proud to say that I can reference where everything is from, but that I think that. There's something, I think that that's one of the reasons why I love working in sculpture is that it, you know, that everything is on the table and that there is a kind of, I'm aware that there's a space where, yeah, there's an absorbing of things from different styles and different movements, but that there's also like, I think the stuff of everyday life is, um, and the encounters and the experiences um, of making are kind of a bit, the, Sculpture is in all of that. Um, so I, I guess I definitely have a, a really strong emotional relationship to being a viewer of sculpture myself and have really treasured and been very affected um, by my own experiences of seeing art, of seeing sculpture. So I think it's probably that Influence. That's how it has influenced me, rather than it necessarily being like a um, a critical discourse about you know what is or isn't relevant in art history. But I think that 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 need to cycle things and for things to be in sometimes uncomfortable um, proximity with one another that don't necessarily immediately like. Um, coexist or clearly relate is really dynamic for me. I mean, I had definitely had a few moments when I was installing where I was like, I want to bring these things that don't go together all together, but it turns out it's actually really hard because they don't go together, which was the point I was doing, but when I'm in this space, there's a feeling of that actually being quite awkward or there being like, there's a vibration here which is occurring, which is both on some level, I guess what I was seeking out, but it doesn't mean I'm necessarily always um, that relaxed about it. And I think that, I mean, that that's something that's really important to me is that every element of the work is, everything here is extremely intentional. I mean, I don't know any artist who makes a show and everything's like, there's no accident. There's things that happen, yeah, serendipitously, but that there is, um, there's relationships and meaning, whether it's visible to an audience or whether it's, you know, it builds relationships through what it means in, for different audience members to what they're seeing. Um, I'm not sure that answered your prompt very well, but um, I think that I want there to be a level of discomfort as well as moments of sort of mercurial swamp um, in the work. Hello everyone, thanks for uh, bearing with us as we work through our technical joys. Um, it's a great privilege um, 
I should have mentioned earlier, thank you, Glenda, um, for interpreting our session uh, live as we're speaking. Uh, and it's my absolute pleasure to introduce um, Sam Peterson, who's joining us via Zoom uh, for those of us who are joining online. Uh, Sam Peterson, as many of you will know well, is an artist uh, based in um, Melbourne who works across sculpture, installation, spoken word, writing, and explores extraordinary experiences of living, social relations, and access to public space. Um, Sam's work is often located very much at the threshold between architecture and the body. And uh, really, um, the work that I really encourage you, if you have the opportunity to come and see at ACCA, uh, is located very much at the threshold of our galleries. Sam's work occupies an the extraordinary entrance to Acker's galleries with the Corten steel uh, building really has, Sam has taken on the, the formidable architecture uh, in both our entrance space and also in gallery three. So Sam, without further ado, I might hand over to you uh, to speak to us today. And um, for those of you who can, we really look forward to welcoming you into the galleries to see Sam's work in the flesh. I, Sam, have mousy brown hair, creamy skin. I'm wearing a yellow singlet and a blue shirt. And I'm in a power wheelchair. Behind me there is blue bunting and a funky green couch. Max was worried about me staining the metal because I pointed out cluster scene as oily. <laughs> I was kicking myself because he was all happy with my idea until I pointed it out. <laughs> Max then said, could you use something other than plaster ceiling? I was thinking what? No. So I replied, you better look for another artist then. Bit rock star of me, but you rarely get given an opportunity for a comeback like that when you are disabled and I felt safe. I was asked to talk about my thinking behind the work. Stereotypically, it's anger. 
the element of fuck off with my art making is definitely there. Anger at a world that doesn't seem to care, or a world that can't care, because they believe in scarcity, and I don't think any of us should live like that. Then I try to understand it again and again and again, over and over, replaying and experiencing it, again and again and again. I also understand most of you are very scared of saying the wrong thing, or doing the wrong thing, as you often do. It becomes a loop. Loop upon loops. And I am trying to break the loops. I'm trying to do it by telling my story in the hope it will get through. In West Space, my sexual organs slid along the window ledge, leaving bits of me behind. And that stuff has a way of growing. Discrimination is in everything, so why not fuck it back? An action that we are still socially kept from doing, the very act of it is defiant. An act that is loving too. And plasticine, oily me. What I want most of all is your questions, your deepest, darkest questions, he <laughs> he. I will try to answer them.
but some may take a bit more time, and I'll email my answers out to you or publish them on Facebook. Is that a call for questions, Sam? Amazing. We actually don't have any questions uh, live on the chat, but if people would like to pop them in Q&A for Sam, uh, Sam is prompted and ready. We've got a lovely comment from um, Charlotte Day. Uh, I love what you did, Sam, with the building. So malleable and soft in relation to the angles and the steel. <laughs> Sam, Perhaps you can talk a little bit more. You mentioned uh, that initially we'd been talking about not working with the building, not working with the Corten steel, but perhaps you can talk a little bit more about the, um, the dam that protects the building, the condom, the, the glad wrap, plastic wrap. And you can see behind me, for those of you who haven't um, been to Acker yet um, to see the show, the building, obviously, as many of you are aware, looks a little bit like what's behind me. Uh, those incredible crevices uh, are what Sam has, has taken on. Sam, perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about the plastic. was
Good. I was thinking, how do I get them to go? Okay, you can do it. On, on. Metal. Then, capital I, thought, condoms, Wrestling. Resisted.
that would be Now, tricky, tricky. So So cling wrap As a Second time. Second. Opinion. Option. Was quite nice. I was thinking, how do I get them to go? Okay, you can do it on the metal, and then I thought condoms, but that would be tricky. So, cling wrap as a second option was quite nice. So well said. <laughs> Sam, we've had another um, reflection from Charlotte. The, the building uh, being big and strong as a form uh, was a real challenge, um, no doubt, but you really met that challenge. You brought it back to the body, to the skin, to the idea of things that are living and breathing, possibly decomposing. Uh, and made, uh, Charlotte's made a really nice uh, comment about the relationship between your work and Isadora's 
Now, everyone in the show, uh, as everyone um, here online and in, in the world around us, has been affected um, by COVID. And Mia Kelly has asked um, a little bit about whether your work or its intentions were um, influenced or impacted by COVID. And I know we've been in dialogue for, you know, a good 18 months before the show opened and, um, you know, we had a, delays and extensions. And you've also described um, the show as a, a bit of a pink light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Um, so perhaps if, um, in answer to, to Mia's question, if there's anything you want to say about um, the experience of, of the lockdown, um, any impacts on your practice or, or, or your perspectives um, over that time, that'd be amazing. Work, work. Was. Thought. COVID-19 Document.
dog malation. Document. Documentation. Decumination. Decumination. Documentation. Was. Very good. Very much. Covered. Driven. The work was thought up before COVID-19 hit, but some of the documentation was very much COVID driven. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the documentation, you're talking about the temporal performance and the development of the work yeah and Sam we're really looking forward to having you in the galleries as well on Saturday 13 March the last weekend of the show <laughs> for a, a live spoken word performance or a, a rant as you like <laughs> to call them um, do you want to say anything about that before we wrap up or do you want to leave that as a bit of a surprise for our uh, our visitors you can get a little bit of information about Sam's rants on Sam's website as well. Content. Warning. On. 
that content warning on that. That's what we're going content warning. That's a sneak preview. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll be sure to update our website, but thank you, Sam. You've been an absolute legend for joining us this afternoon and shifting around um, your afternoon to make sure you're, you're still here and great, uh, great, great uh, delivery and super work. Um, we're really looking forward to having you back in the galleries in March. And thank you all for joining us uh, online today. Um, we'll give a virtual round of applause. Mm. <laughs> thank you, Sam. And uh, the second part of our artist talks will take place on Thursday, the 26th of February. And we will be hearing from Sydney McMahon, Robert Andrew and Mimosa Escher, who will be dialing in from Paris. Thank you so much. Um, we really look forward to seeing you in the galleries online and, uh, and take care. Have a lovely evening.